This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome back to season three of Aggie Hoops Weekly. This is season three, episode one, and the 2019-2020 season is upon us. We're going to talk about the first two games of the season, the exhibition win against A&M Kingsville and the home opening win against Northwestern State. Let's roll. Welcome back to Aggie Hoops Weekly. It feels good to have basketball to talk about again, David. Dude, it does, man. We're back. The season actually begun again. We're back at it. And it's full of promise and hope at this point in the year. Good to be back with you guys. We've had a bit of a hiatus through through the second part of the offseason. We know that we're a little bit behind in in putting out season previews and things like that. Life took over and work travel and those types of things. So... What we're going to do this week, we'll start off with a quick recap of the two games that a and has played so far, the exhibition against A&M Kingsville, and then the uh, season opener against Northwestern State. So we'll cover that in this episode. Then later this week, we'll have another episode talking about the returning players on this year's team uh, and discussing briefly some of the key departures, and then... Uh, wrapping it up this week, we'll talk about the the new players that are joining the team this year, and we look forward to kind of giving you guys some insights on what we've seen so far from this crew of newcomers and jumping in from there. So it's completely backwards and it makes no sense. Uh, so if the listeners, if that doesn't make sense to you, it shouldn't, and it doesn't make sense to us either, but that's how we've chosen to proceed. So I guess with that in mind. Uh, should we hit the exhibition game? Let's talk about it. All right, let's talk exhibition basketball. So I was fortunate enough to be in the building for this one. It was good to be back in Reed Arena. It was good to confirm that Buzz Williams is not a mirage. He's a real man. He's coaching our basketball team, everything we heard in the offseason. It's true. He's really here. And we had an interesting start to this game, Blake. We started with Mitchell, Flagg, and Chandler, as you might expect, uh, with Nebo out. You know, Obviously, he was replaced by Anthony Miller. But then we would assume to see TJ Starks in the fifth spot. And instead, we saw Mark French. Mark French got our starting nod. And before this gets blown out of proportion and becomes anything, that, you know, we don't want to become rumor mongers or anything. Uh, I heard that this is basically because French killed it in the offseason workouts. It wasn't because Starks was in the doghouse. It was like a reward for French to give him more minutes than he's probably going to get in this game, which we'll touch on later. But that was our starting five. And to be honest, we started pretty well. We were flying around on defense. We were generating decent enough shots, and things were well in control when we decided to sub in our twos. But this was the first of what were a couple of warning signs, Blake, because our twos really didn't hold up well against the likes of A&M Kingsville. And so Kingsville actually opened up a seven-point lead there in the first half, and Buzz felt the need to reinsert the entire starting lineup, which you don't really like to see that, right, in an exhibition game against the D2. You don't want to need your starters, but we kind of did. I think Kingsville had put together an 8 or a 10-0 run, and the starters restored order as they should. I'm trying to get the exact numbers here. I think we had a uh, – so we did actually put together a 16-0 run in the first half to completely calm things down. And that was kind of a double-edged sword because it's awesome to see your starters look that slick as a unit. 
But you also are sitting there thinking, we actually need, we felt the need to run our ones uh, against these guys so early in the game. So that wasn't a great feeling. But the end result is that we cruised into halftime at 46-34. And coming out of the break again, it it didn't really go that well for us coming out of the break. So I figured we were going to put this game to bed and play play the walk-ons tons of minutes. But there was actually an ebb and flow, a back and forth in the second half that kind of mirrored the first. So whenever our starters were in the game, or maybe only one or two backups were in the game, things were generally fine. But then whenever Buzz really tried to give the, the back end of the rotation some time together, as you would expect in a game like this, it didn't hold up. So again, we kind of ended up with a much closer second half than we expected. And Blake, you're not going to believe this, but we actually found ourselves only up three with the ball with 50 seconds remaining. It actually worked its way into that kind of situation. But there was actually some positive to that because what I was able to see for the first time was, A, what's our crunch time lineup going to be? And then B, who's actually going to take the shot? Who's going to take command of the situation? The most interesting thing about this is, in a lineup that contained uh, mostly starters, I think it was the four starters and Quentin Jackson. It was actually Jackson himself who took the biggest shot of the evening. It was a kind of haphazard possession. Things really weren't looking that great. And when the ball swung around to him on the wing, he drove to the rim and made a really difficult finish in traffic to put us up five with about 30 seconds left and kill the game off. So that was kind of a good thing to see, right? The, mo- the moment, uh, the quote-unquote moment, there was no moment. It was an exhibition game, but he was not afraid to take a big shot, and he looked like he belonged. Uh, he looked like he belonged out there with the ones. So that's kind of how things ended up. The rest of the game was a field goal, or, or rather a free throw contest, and we closed it out 81-74. Job done. Exhibition victory. Yeah. So this was this was a little bit troubling on on a few fronts. First, I, I didn't actually get to see any of the game, so I'm I'm following along through Twitter as best I can and and thank you to you personally uh, for for the the good updates through the course of the evening because there really wasn't a lot of insight into what was going on there was no internet stream no TV coverage it was it was kind of an oddly silent uh, exhibition game in, in that regard so there really wasn't a lot of insights on on what was happening. Uh, other than just following through Twitter, those who were actually in the building. So I guess my perspectives on the game were were a little worried <laughs> because this this was entirely too close for comfort in my mind. I understand it was an exhibition game, but you did have your starters playing. You did have you know a lot of these guys in the game. It ended up being a a, a seven point win over basically our, our little sister school and I, I don't know that what was the what was the atmosphere like in the in the arena for this one so that's an interesting question because you know AM Kingsville isn't that far down the road and they actually brought I would call it almost an entire section of supporters so it was actually a somewhat lively atmosphere I bet we there were about a thousand to fifteen hundred fans total but it's kind of it kind of charges things up a bit whenever the opposing team has a vocal committed kind of condensed group of people supporting them so that part of it was interesting uh, i would say that the crowd never really got worried because the only time it really got somewhat close was in that one possession i mentioned but no it was a you know i, I think buzz he was even quoted after the game of saying he was glad he played it under the lights and that it wasn't a close scrimmage so no the environment i think was uh, gave him what he needed that's good that it's good to hear that that there was actually a little bit of a lively environment i know it's much better to have uh an engaged crowd rather than just crickets and 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 a blowout so i i mean i'm glad that that it was at least worth your time to to get to see these guys in action you know what were your takeaways from the newcomers in this game i know you mentioned jackson being 
the driving force as far as the newcomers going. Uh, what 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 else did you see from from the new guys? So this is interesting. You and I are going to touch on this here in a bit because my takeaway, the second best new player from my perspective was Emmanuel Miller. He played pretty well in that game. And I felt it was almost more because he was the biggest of the wings. And that seemed to give him the edge of the new guys. He's the biggest and most likely to be able to bang down low with SEC bigs in a pinch. So that the combination of his body size and the fact that he actually played kind of well, I came away from that first game thinking he's probably the second best new guy. Uh, Goltekin and Gordon, they both showed their strengths. So for Gordon, for me, that's his perimeter defense. You know, he's a dual threat high school quarterback. He was, you know, pure athleticism out, out on the perimeter. And then Goltekin is the. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the future episode. He's the son of two professional Turkish basketball players, so he's got that European offensive IQ flow, flowing through his veins. Right, he knows exactly where to be. He knows where not to be. He was finding pockets of space everywhere. But those guys also had some limitations in their first game. Uh, and really kind of got banged around down low, and Gordon looked lost at times on the offensive end. So those guys, you know, they have something to offer. But I came away from that first game thinking they may not slide into the rotation full-time. And uh, Jonathan Aku, he's there's almost like a not applicable here in terms of like will he or won't he because he's 6'10", 6'11". Of course he's going to get minutes with this roster. But uh, this is a guy, again, that reclassified a year ahead of schedule. So he's going to be down low on the blocks you know, against Gonzaga's big men in a week when he could be a high school senior. So I fear that the roster construction and the early injury problems might place him in a situation he's not quite ready for. Yeah, that's, that was one of the things that was painfully apparent in, in the game we'll talk about coming up against Northwestern State. But um, it's, it is interesting to, to hear your perspective on Emmanuel Miller. Once again, that's a bit different from, from what we witnessed in, against Northwestern State. So interesting interesting perspective i'm glad to know that that you saw a lot of potential and you know that he he chipped in a, a really effective 14 points in this in this one so with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so yeah, let's talk uh, Let's talk Northwestern State. This is as good a time as I need to switch into the home opener, the first actual game that counts of the season. It was on Wednesday night at Reed Arena, and we looked terrible to start this game. It was a really bad first look for people who caught the Aggies on TV for the first time this season. Uh, turnovers, defensive lapses, just general malaise on both ends of the floor allowed Northwestern State to take an early lead and Flag in particular looked really out of sorts in the first few minutes. I think, Blake, we had five turnovers in the first four minutes and a host of missed, uh, missed early shots led to Northwestern State kind of hanging around for those first eight minutes. And then we put together a 23-4 to run that really honestly killed the suspense for the evening. Uh, we looked much more crisp on offense. The ball movement was much better. Uh, the defense started feeding the offense, which meant we were no longer <laughs> being pressured on the defensive end. And the whole operation really looked a lot smoother. So it was a 38-26 halftime advantage, uh, kind of what you expect to see in a game like this. And then unlike the exhibition game, we actually came out and put additional pressure on Northwestern State. We extended the lead further. We extended it to 21 uh, and I thought, like, this was with about 13, 14 minutes left. I thought, we're going to cruise. Let's get these guys off their feet. Let's you know, let's let the walk-ons, give them extended minutes. 
And then the Demons outscored us 24 to 10 over a six-minute stretch, kind of midway of the second half, leading towards the latter part of the second half. And I think that's going to piss Buzz off, to be honest, because that was just complacency. That was just us looking at a 21-point advantage against the overmatched opponent and thinking, this is in the bag. You could see us downshift. And they made it a seven-point game with three minutes remaining, which meant, as you might expect, the starters really couldn't get their rest. We kind of had to keep the we had to keep it tight. We had to play only eight or nine guys in this game. Uh, we did play well enough down the stretch to close it out. There was never any stress. In my recap, I called it stress-free. A couple of commenters disagreed with me. I'm going to go ahead and re-disagree with them because it was fine. There was never really anything. Uh, never really anything uh, I was worried about. And and honestly, after we played uh, after we played out the string in these last three minutes, the final deficit was 14. So we ended up a 77, Northwestern State 63. I would say, Blake, we're going to have some of those teachable moments that you hate to see, but if you're going to get them, you might as well get them in a win. Absolutely. You talked about the slow start. It was kind of infuriating. I won't say it was wholly unexpected simply because that's kind of the makeup of the team that we've seen uh, this this group of guys over the last couple years. They are turnover prone. It's kind of in their DNA and in their makeup. So the fact that they actually held it together and and only had nine turnovers the rest of the night actually was was really impressive. I I felt good about what Flag did. Let's start there. Savion Flag finished the game with 22 points on 35 minutes. He was nine of 11 from the field, including a three pointer. Uh, he was three or six from the line, but also pulled down seven boards. Great night for Savion. That's exactly what you what you want to see from him. We saw this last year, especially the second half of last year, where Savion is is the straw that stirs the drink, right? He's he's the 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 guy that keeps this thing going in the right direction. Uh, you want to see him take over games. That's what he needs to do this year is take over games. If he wants to establish himself as an NBA prospect and somebody who's ready to play at that level, he's got to be averaging. 18 to 20 points a game and he's got to be pu- pulling down seven boards a night and he's 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 got to be taking over setting the tone establishing his game first and then facilitating from there and and that's exactly what you saw from him in this one it was and i have to say his passing has really improved over the offseason that really that really struck me as a as a stark improvement those early turnovers and those early missed shots i reference are really interesting placed in context of his final stat line because this this basically was you know one of those if if you pl- if you place it in the context of a starting pitcher this was like giving up one run, one run in the first inning and then throwing a no hitter for the last eight innings i think what ba- what happened here is he had a terrible first four minutes and i think he literally played an almost perfect game of basketball from that point until the final buzzer so i agree with you he's got to be the guy that gets it all started he's going to hate seeing five turnovers in that stat line i would expect we won't see something like that again from him the rest of the year yeah i i don't think you will i think you'll see Savion locked down and be the guy that he needs to be so Really, really good things from him early on. Uh, it was interesting to see Quentin Jackson again was was a was a great addition to this roster. He added 13 points, played 27 minutes, looked really good. Actually, was four or five from the stripe. So, I, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from Jackson. He's turned in two good performances early. Uh, you had mentioned Emmanuel Miller is kind of being your standout from the or the other newcomer standout from the exhibition game. This time it was actually Andre Gordon and and Koltekin who who really showed something in this game. So hearing you talk about uh, Miller in in the exhibition was was surprising because 
I just didn't get a good feel from him. I saw a lot of potential in what he did. He just never really seemed to find the rhythm of this one. But Gordon came in and established himself early. He looked really good. He was he was finding his way to the rim. He was facilitating. I liked his game. I, I really liked what I saw from Gordon. Same thing with Gultekin. He he's everything you said. He he knows his spots. He he knows where to be, where not to be. Really good away from the ball. So I think he's going to be a good good defender as well. I, I like what I like what he he brings in this situation. So I think this is a really good thing the more I think about it because these guys aren't going to be incredibly consistent, right? They're brand new. They're getting thrown into a really difficult environment. There they will be more asked of them than will be asked of the incoming class at most programs in the country. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's a great proving ground on that front, right? Because who? what other group of freshmen is going to get this type of exposure this early in, in their playing careers? And it's going to be great for the program long term, which we'll touch on in the preview episode. But what I liked about this is that we saw two kind of two different situations from the incoming class and, the, and our only two data points we have. Uh, I really think I think Jackson's going to be the guy. I think Jackson's going to be the standout from the class. He's going to be the immediate contributor, someone who can probably stick maybe even in the starting lineup, depending on our injury situation. But regarding the other three, the other four, this is what you want, right? You want them, you want to see that they have a ceiling that's capable of being an SEC rotation player, right? And then you just live with the knowledge that you're not going to get that from all four of them on any given night, right? But as long as it's two, you know, if if of Gordon, Goltek, and Miller, and Aku, if two of the four of them have it on a given night, that's an eight-man rotation. So that's what I like about this is I don't think we're going to drop any of these guys this early, right? We've seen enough from them in one of the two games to where you know, there's some promise going forward. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. You you add those guys in with the rotation with Starks and Chandler, Mitchell. You've got you've got solid play from from seven eight guys. That's that's all you need at this point. So I, I think that you can I think that you can do some things with this roster. Now, are we making a run at the SEC title? No, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, coming up this week too. But I, I do think that there is there is some good talent here. I think that there's these guys are going to be solid role players and solid contributors going forward, not just this year, but in the next three, four years to come. Yeah, and so I completely agree on that front. And one quick note I wanted to bring back regarding Savion Flag. He was named to the SEC coaches all second team, so props to him for getting the recognition that he deserves. I still think the media screwed up by not putting him on their all-SEC second team, but, you know, something's better than nothing, so kudos to him for the formal recognition. One thing before we kind of gracefully exit from the game into our overall thoughts from what we've seen so far, Northwestern State had 19 offensive boards, and we're going to play bigger teams than Northwestern State, so that's one of those things we're going to have to file away. Yeah, yeah, and a big factor in that in that front is that Josh Nebo did not take part in this one as did uh, T.J. Starks. Both of those guys were on the bench uh, with injuries. Starks, it sounds like, is going to be out at least two to three weeks with a high ankle sprain. As as most of you may know, high ankle sprains can be problematic just because it's hard to they're hard to recover from, hard to heal from. So it, the, the timetable on that return is going to be probably a little bit longer. Uh, Nebo, from what I understand, he just he's been banged up, bumped and bruised. He's he's been dealing with some stuff throughout this the fall practice season. So I think that 
this was just an extension of, of kind of some lingering issues and just trying to get him healthy before we get into the bigger games like Gonzaga where he's really going to be needed. And that's exactly what I would expect. I would expect that they'll sit him for ULM and he'll be ready to go in at least some capacity for Gonzaga. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're going to want to see him on the floor in that one because that's, that's a stout lineup coming to read this week. So really excited for that one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So the good news is, is before Gonzaga comes to town on Friday night, uh, the Aggies take on University of Louisiana Monroe tonight at 7 o'clock, Monday evening, 7 o'clock. Get to Reed Arena if you're in town. Go support the guys. It's it's always good to have uh, a nice crowd early in the season. Go watch what Buzz is doing with this team. I think you'll, you'll be excited to see a different style of basketball, um, a lot more energy, and uh, a lot of fun, actually. I think this is going to be a fun group of guys. And while we're on the topic of big crowds early in the season, four days later we are hosting Gonzaga, perennial top ten Gonzaga, one of the best game, one of the best teams we've been able to pull to Reed Arena in quite some time. And Blake, the university did something we've been pining for forever. They put a big non-conference home game on a football weekend. So for the listeners, that's South Carolina weekend. If you're in town on Friday night, we have one of the best non-conference home games we've had in a long time. Do your best to get out to that one if you can. That's going to be a treat. I really think Buzz is going to put a good show on the court because he knows that's his first real chance to try to win people over. Absolutely. And it is also the return of one Admon Gilder. So Admon, uh, after after being a loyal, faithful Aggie and, and serving this program in a very dedicated manner for three years, took a grad transfer to Gonzaga. So he has joined the Bulldogs and will make his Reed Arena return on Friday night. It'll be cool to see him on the other side. I hate to see him wearing those colors, but good to see a, a, a great player and, a, and an even better guy coming back to, to Reed Arena. I am in no way ready for that emotionally. So I'm just <laughs> my plan is just to show up and uh, or turn the game on and just let my emotions sort themselves out live, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, obviously, yeah, it's going to be great to see him, and I wish him nothing but the best, with the exception of this one game for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, that works for me too. Well, all right, Blake, we will catch up soon. As you mentioned at the outset, we have preview apps coming of the returning players, of the new players, some season-long thoughts, and then we'll be back in the grind next week as the non-conference schedule continues to heat up. Talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Sounds good.